an inside look at the restaurant industry and entrepreneurial insight to help you succeed. It's the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. Hey guys, how are you? This is Nick Caligara-Mitros and we are back with episode four with the Paper Trails Podcast uh, for Albemarle Paper Supply. Uh, super excited to be here. Our podcast, if you guys first time joining in, is uh, all about entrepreneurship, uh, the restaurant hospitality industry here in North Carolina, Charlotte in particular, and the surrounding areas. And um, you know, absolutely excited to come with you guys with our second guest. And so we're here with Frank Calzunas. Frank, you thank for uh, yes. for joining us. My pleasure. And so uh, Frank and I have been working together for many years, yeah. five, six years, at, at least. Yeah. At least, and so. You know, Frank uh, and his brother, uh, Angelo, um, we actually here are at the Big View Diner in Ballantyne. Uh, they've had this restaurant for many years and they have a lot of other projects, a lot of other restaurants in the area. And so um, just ask Frank if he'd be willing to join us to talk a little bit about, you know, his start and how he got into the industry and, uh, you know, different uh, different things he's been able to experience and learn over the years. Um, and so I guess we'll just start with that. Frank, tell us, you know, I guess it's a little easier for us because we're Greek, and we kind of yeah, sure. grew up in the business. And so, you know, as you guys know, I've, I told you guys before that, you know, my family owns restaurants. And, you know, as a kid, I grew up working in the restaurants, 12, 14, 15 years old, busting tables, um, you know, things of that sort. But I'm assuming similar background. You know, how, how did you get to start in, in the restaurants? Yeah, very, very similar. Um, it's it's kind of, the you know, a, a uh, cliche story in, in, a, in a sense of, um, Grew up with, uh, you know, dad in the restaurant business. Um, and that was, this kind of became, you know, when, when you're in this business, it's not just a business. It's, it kind of becomes your lifestyle. 100%. Like the, the restaurant comes first. It's like, it's like the, the most important child of the family. Yep. And it can't suffer. And, you know, if it's something breaks, dad's going to be there to fix it. If it's a day off and he gets a call, he has to go in. Of course. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. So we grew up to work. So that's normal to us. Um, and it definitely makes you know, taking this route as a career, it makes it a little easier because you're kind of pre, um, you're pre, you're pre-wired to where, you know, it's it's just it's normal if on a Friday night you have to stay later than, than everybody gets off of work at five yep. o'clock yep. Um, in the in the corporate world, and we're here till nine, ten, eleven, twelve o'clock, um, night in and night out, weekends, holidays, sort of thing. So, and that's how we got our start. Uh, my dad had a. A, a very successful place with his brothers, and it's, he retired about 12 years ago. But his brothers still there, still there at the Landmark Diner on Central, and it's kind of like an institution in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know that that was, that was a place with late hours, um, but it was that's kind of where I cut my teeth <coughs> in the restaurant business because it you know it, it shows you, you know, the biggest thing is it showed you me um, and my brothers well like the discipline between my dad and my uncles sure. um, to be there because the place was like 24 hours and super busy and everything made from scratch. Um, and as, as hard work it is, um, you know, your, your output is definitely related to your input. So all the hard work they did, <coughs> the discipline being there night in and night out, 24 hours a day, some, one of them was always at the restaurant. Um, it, it, there was never a time, unless it was a wedding or a funeral, that one of them wasn't there to either open or lock or, sure. or whatever. Sure. So, you know, that's where we got our start and that's what kind of, um, that's what made me started thinking um, at this as a career instead of like what I have to do after school because my sure. dad's making me go to work. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and that which was, is what we what Greeks do. Just absolutely, so we know. that's like that's like the number one parenting tool. Is like if my kid is at work, I know where he is. Yeah. He's not getting in trouble. And and it was like the same thing for me. Like that was in my late mid to late te- teenage years. My dad yeah. had a small little place when I was a, a child, but most of my years from like the age of ten all the way through was you know either going there, hanging out, rolling silverware on the weekends as a as a kid to busting tables, like you said, to, you know, working your way up, you know, and doing whatever, yeah, doing whatever you had to do, whatever was needed on a, on a given day. So um, it started that, and then right around, you know, as you progress through high school, um, then you gotta start thinking, you know, it's crazy at 16, 17 years old, you gotta think about what you wanna do as an adult. It is. You know, it's, it it's is. a hard decision, because you wanna do what sounds cool, <coughs> and you know, at 16, you wanna get rich. Like, yep. that's like, you know, I want yep. a nice car, and yep. all that stuff. So. Um, you know, I, it was a hard decision because I was looking at, you know, you're in high school and all your friends want to be, one wants to be an accountant, one wants to be a lawyer, and I'm like, do I, what, do I go that route? Yeah. Am, am I, you know, our DNA kind of pushes us towards hospitality. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of like what what we're good at yep. as as a culture. Yep. You know, whether, you know, it just comes natural to us. Um, you know, even a Greek person that's a, a doctor, if you go to his house. He's hospitable, hundred percent. You know, so it doesn't matter 100%. if you're in the restaurant business or not. It's just in us. Yeah. So I'm like, do I take this route? You know. Then my dad kind of gave me not an ultimatum, but and again, it's a hard decision to make at yeah. 16, 17 years old. Is, hey, listen. He's like, you do whatever you want. You go to college, um, and you want to get out of this world. That's uh-huh. fine. I'll pay for it once, but don't come back after four years yeah. of partying at college yeah, and yeah, tell yeah, me you yeah. want to work in a restaurant. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So then, you know, back in Charlotte, that was in '90s. I graduated in '97. There were no, there was not a great culinary program in Charlotte. The CPCC had an okay one. Um, my brother had just finished up at the CIA in New York, which is probably one of the best ones in the country, if yep. not the yep. best. Um, so he's like, you know, I went there. I saw his graduation. I had no idea what culinary school was until I went there, yeah. and I was like, you know, you always expect like the CPCC version of like publicly funded, not the best teachers, yeah. a little bit outdated. Sure. And that's what I expected to see up there. And I went there and I was blown away. It was like state of the art. Wow. Um, it was like, you know, just a, an Ivy League of culinary schools, right? Wow. CIA. Um, so that's I just, where you went? My brother did. I went okay. to the French culinary in New York City. Nice. So while my brother graduated, then I, that was, I was in, I think, a senior in high school. Um, he graduated, he started culinary school later. He's eight years older. So he was in his mid to late 20s when he did it. And that's where he met Stratos, our partner. Okay. And they were classmates um, back in 96. So I, then it started me thinking like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like it's, it's culinary school, but it's like, actually it's like university culinary school. It's not just like go, to, you know, go there and make chicken soup and you know, grilled chicken and leave. <laughs> yeah. um, it was like, this is like you learn, like, you know, and you interned the best restaurants in, in New York City. Yeah. And I was like, this is like a whole different level. So we got excited. You know, the, the, the food scene in Charlotte back then was it was just relative for the size of Charlotte. Sure. Now it's exploded because Charlotte has exploded. But back then, there was a couple of decent restaurants, but everything else is pretty meat and potatoes. Sure. Um, so by going there, I was like, man, we can come back and really have an impact. Like we can come come back and, you know, show and do some cool stuff in Charlotte and not, you know, not try to overdo it and to be too high class, but come back and just really, you know, <coughs> since we're kind of good at it and, yeah. and we take a we take a liking to it. What? Let me go that route. So. Yeah. Um, you know, at 17 years old, I was in New York City going to culinary school in uh, in in Soho uh, in Manhattan. Um, you know, how was that? Was that fun? It was an adventure. I mean, at 17, it's like you don't know what you don't know. So I didn't yeah. know that 
you know, I need to be a little more careful than I should have. I mean, I'm, I was getting up in the morning in Queens, riding the, the subway all the way down to basically to Chinatown yeah. at 17 years old. Um, the fact, the thought of me doing that with my kid now, I was like, there is no way <laughs> I'm letting my kid, you know, go. Uh, eight, 17, 18 years yeah, old in by New York, themselves. In New York City by yeah. themselves on the train and go to school five days a week. And then after school, I would go and intern. Um, we call it a stage in our world. Uh, you go and work for free. Yeah. Um, so on, on Fridays and Saturdays, I would get get off of school <coughs> and go straight to where my brother and Stratus were working. They were working for um, a really high-end restaurant called um, Aureole. Um, Charlie Palmer had it back then, maybe like top three in the city back then. Wow. And then I just got in because they were there. Sure, Otherwise, sure. it was like, kind of hard to get in to, yeah. to work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I worked in pastry there and, and you know, made a lot of cool friends and connections. And just you really saw a whole different level of what culinary was, mm. right? Guys grinding it out, working 16, 18 hour days, um, and not really getting paid a lot. Um, I worked for free, um, but it, you know, you really see the whole different side of where what food is and where we came from. Um, we always appreciate where we came from, because uh, that's our foundation, Sure. but it's really guys excited yep. for what, you know, we were young, I was 18, I think Stratus was probably 20, Two, twenty-three. Angels, twenty-five, twenty-six, um, and we we're like really pumped up to like, man, we we need, we're gonna take this around with it. Yeah. So you know, fast forward. Yeah, yeah. A, a little while later, uh-huh. I finished in New York. I came back to Charlotte. Um, worked in a couple of nice places um, in uh, ba- pastry shops and bakeries, and I was the pastry chef of a restaurant. Again, at twenty years old, right? I mean, I had. This is almost unheard of for someone that young, like in New York, for example. In sure. Charlotte, different because there weren't really any pastry chefs around. There's bakers and people that did nice stuff, yeah. but as far as like high-end cuisine, desserts, you know, it's, it, there weren't a lot of us. Sure. Um, so it almost made it a little easier to walk in and get a job. Okay. Um, so I worked at there, then after that, another, another, so I would say another one of the milestones and life-changing jobs we had, uh, Stratus and I um, were working in Atlanta uh, for the Buckhead Life Group. Okay. So, so Pano, Pano Caratazos, <clears throat> uh, he's like the godfather of cuisine in Atlanta. Like okay. A lot of really high-end restaurants. Yeah. Um, How, how'd you get in there? How, how did that So my brother, Angel, and, and Pano's son, Pano Jr., were classmates at CIA. Okay. So they had that, they had that connection. Um, Stratus ended up doing his internship down there um, with, their, with their company. Uh, my brother did his in New York at um, in the Rainbow Room, another really high-end restaurant back then. Yeah. Um, but they always kind of kept connection. When they finished school, called 95, 96, they came to Charlotte and kind of went there. Angel came to Charlotte, worked here a little bit at some places, um, kind of settled back in with my dad. And then Stratus called me one day. This probably had to be like 90, uh, like year 2000. Okay. Um, and he said, hey, um, I'm at school in, New York, in Miami. He went to FIU for uh, business after culinary school. He has a degree. Okay. Um, and he said, hey, Pano from Atlanta is opening a Greek restaurant. And they want... The, some ideas on desserts. Now, the way they do things, when they open the place, they start planning the menu out a year ahead. Wow. So we're like a year out. Um, which, is, which is, I mean, unusual. Is I mean, that's, It's a little unusual. Yeah. I mean, you have an that, idea of concept, but they were like recipe testing a year out. A year out. Oh, yeah. I mean, we probably tasted, like, I ended up moving to Atlanta, and I'll get to that in a second, but we, I probably tasted tzatziki and skordalia and, like, 
that I might 150 times before we open just to get the recipe the way oh they want it. Yeah, people don't realize how much work, especially their family does, yeah. to put into into places. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. especially because it was a Greek place and it was like his, it was like his, you know, his baby. Yeah. Um, so I went to, I went to Atlanta one afternoon. I um, asked for the day off here in Charlotte, and uh, I went there and did a tasting. So a tasting is they bring Pano Senior, the the, the owner, uh, a couple of chefs, and they brought in some Greek people too to kind of like see, hey, how valid are these, this kid's desserts going to be? He's yeah. only 20 years old. And then, you know, <coughs> you, you put out desserts, and then they all sit at this table, and then you send desserts one by one, right? And then with a description, and this is what I think is a modern twist on sure. Greek traditional desserts, yada, yada. And then I was, like, super nervous, you know, like, because I'm putting out desserts, this guy that is just, you know, a legend. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah He's yeah. had, he's eaten at every restaurant in the world, right? So now I'm putting desserts for him to try to impress him to, yeah. to hopefully help him with his Greek place. So I put out desserts and I go out when we're done, and he's like, um, he, the first thing's out of his mouth. He's like, "So when are you moving here?" And I was like, first thing he says." Yeah, first thing he says." And I was like, um, "I guess my food was good." <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so long story short, you know, he he really enjoyed the desserts and he wanted me to move to Atlanta to help them open Kima. Okay. And um, so, came back to Charlotte, discussed with my parents, like, do I turn this down? You know, how do you how do you say no to Pano Senior? Like, the yeah. guy's inviting me to Atlanta to help open a place. Yeah. So I ended up making the move, making the jump. Um, and again, it was probably one of the best things I, I did other than nice. going to culinary school is that I went there and again, experienced my first kind of eureka moment was like seeing what a different level of what food was in yep. New York and yeah. school and that kind of thing. And then going to Atlanta, I got more of a sense of like a restaurant company with multiple concepts and running a, running a company like that. Yeah. Because the fact that we were so close with them, I mean, Stratus and Pano Jr. or Kumbadi. Like, nice. we're really close to them. Yeah. I mean, the first, I think, six months I lived in Atlanta, I lived at his house. Nice. Um, so, which was, you know, the guy knew me only by what Stratus kind of vouched for, and he took me in like one of his kids, mm. which says a lot about them, too. I mean, yeah. he and his wife are just... Amazing people. Amazing, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I got, I got in with them, yeah. and you get to see the ins and outs and hear their stresses and their challenges of running a company of, yep. you know, he had, I think he had 14, 15 high-end restaurants in Atlanta back then. Wow. You know, just big volume, big, um, big numbers, and just, they were just killing it. And you get to see what it takes on the ins and outs, the, the, the you know, the talent that you need to run it, yep. um, how you got to keep pushing. You know, he, as a role model too, and that, this is not a joke, at every morning he was at his coffee table because I'd, I'd be leaving to go to work around 7 or 8 o'clock, and he'd be sitting there looking at cookbooks at 65, 70 years old. Studying his craft. S still, I mean, after, that was his hobby. I mean, still after opening all the places and after all the, all the accolades, and he yeah. just still, he didn't let, he didn't take his foot off the gas. He was looking at cookbooks. He would have every cookbook flown in because that was kind of, that was very early internet ages. Yeah. So you couldn't just get on Google and like, hey, yeah, what's, yeah, what's yeah, the menu yeah. at this? That's good. At this seafood place, this four-star place in Australia, <coughs> he would have the book sent in. Yeah. And um, which I, th I think that that's a good a point, Frank. I think, you know, for for people listening, for people watching, you know, um, I think you know if you'd like to own a business one day, 
right? To just jump in without any experience or going to work anywhere or seeing different styles of food, New York, Atlanta. I mean, this is before you even started any any restaurant. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're getting the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. You're seeing a very good example in a successful entrepreneur that's studying his craft. And so do your homework, be prepared, don't go in blind. If you want any chance of succeeding, right? Model somebody that's yeah. done it, right? Yeah. And then do your due diligence move move out of the city that you're in maybe, get a different perspective yeah. of what other types of food. And so I, I think it's a good point for people that are just thinking about potentially doing something like- Yeah, you have to. You, you gotta surround, surround yourself with the best people, 100%. get yourself in the best environments, even yeah. if it means sacrificing. Like for me, when I worked in New York for free, my dad was like, work for free. He's like, why, that place makes, you know, millions and millions of dollars a year yeah. and they can't pay you, yeah, you yeah. know, something, whatever. Yeah. I was like, I was like, man, I get, I get family meal. Uh, yeah. That's about all I get. Like, and if, if I get that, if I'm having enough time, but, but, but it's the best thing. The experience that you got. hundred percent. I mean, priceless. it's crazy. Yeah. It's literally and priceless. It's priceless. And the contacts that you make, I mean, there was a guy that was a sous chef there that my brother and Strata still keep up with. And he is the head of the largest restaurant group <coughs> in Vegas. Yeah. Networking. You know, so it's like, networking you, you make these connections with people um and then the stories that are out of that is just you Amazing. know it was yeah that means it's a whole different era of restaurants back then where there's <laughs> things that happened things that i saw as like an 18 year old kid yeah 17 18 year old kid would just like what is happening shocking <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was it was it was nuts i mean it yeah. was it was you, you worked hard and and yeah yeah and um you know, the, the industry's changed a ton. You know, you can't operate some in some ways they did back then, but it was, uh, it was, it was pressure. And it was a lot of pressure to be the best. And the same thing in Atlanta, there was pressure to be the best and you still go there today and he's, same thing. I mean, he's 80, 81 years old, I think. And um, I went down and did a dinner a few months ago in September uh, for them for a, um, the Humane Society and I did a dessert and he's still critiquing food. Nice. Yeah, you know, and just, and it's, you can't, if you choose to do it, you know, do it all the way or don't. Yeah. Um, because when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you put everything you have into it, financially, stress on your family, yep. um, your time. You know, time is critical, especially I'm seeing it now with small kids. Every minute, you know, that you can get with them, it's like you gotta choose this thing up. Do I, do, do I, stay, and, do I stay and take care of this table? It happens all the time. Yeah. Like my wife will say, hey, what time are you coming home? I was like, I don't know, probably eight, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever. And then I'll have to text her, hey, this table came in, some VIPs, I gotta make sure everything's perfect for them. Yeah. She goes, okay, I'll, I'll put the kids to sleep. So you gotta make these sacrifices. Like yep. that night, I have to make sure this table of VIPs is, everything goes perfect, Take whether it's here or Elios yep. or wherever. And I'm gonna miss out seeing my kids, put my kids to sleep. But it's like these battles you gotta always face and you gotta choose, you know, which is why you have to love the process. You have to, yeah. If, if yeah. you don't absolutely love the process, the journey, because it takes a while. 100%. You gotta be patient. I know, I, know we, we, I think last uh, podcast we talked about this, but you gotta have some patience. Yeah. It will take time. You know, yeah. you and gotta. Then, and during that, during the successes, I mean, there's periods of, of success and there's periods of, of, of challenges and, and then tough, you know, it could be a tough shift. It could be a tough, from a tough table to a tough shift to a tough month to a tough year yep. or sometimes it's a tough couple years and we face that <coughs> we opened here in uh 09 which yeah. is probably the worst time in the history of the world to open yeah. a very big investment of a restaurant mm. uh you know th th this place was um you know we went all in in yeah. a sense like the economy was good uh things were great we're like this area is growing we're gonna we're gonna build this big fancy diner and everyone's gonna love it and we're gonna make millions of dollars and and life's gonna be great well, you know, as soon as we broke ground here on the summer of summer of 08, well, I mean, that was like the 
probably the most historic 100%. crash of, of our economy sure. in our lifetime, yeah. hopefully that we'll ever see. Um, so we opened a very big, scary place to run during the worst time Overhead, ever. Overhead, expenses, everything. I mean, just, it just the investment and then the, the payback. And on top of that, it's one thing to do that and you know it's gonna be it's a good time of the economy and, yeah. and like it is now, people yeah. are opening restaurants at right and left. Yeah. But you're opening this place and like, it wasn't busy, you know, because like, it was busy, but like, not that it needed to be. Yeah. And people were, you know, it's a whole, it's, it's not that far ago that people will remember that, you know, you're getting coupons in the mail from restaurants like dying to get you in, you know, and yeah. that you'd never expect. Like places doing half price entrees and giving away desserts and appetizers. And, and that's how tough it was. And we're trying to get a new restaurant off the ground and figure out, figure out our identity. Yeah. Um, as, as a restaurant, what people want, and, and it was scary. I mean, yeah. it was tough. Yeah. The first nine, 10, 11, those first three years were really tough um, to, to pull out of because- Long hours. Long hours, everything. because you know you don't want to manage down. That, that was about, that was, you know, and this is in, in business too, you don't want to manage down and say, okay, you know what, I'll cut one manager out, I'll save X amount for, for a day, per month, per year, I'll do it myself, and then I'll cut out this, and I'll cut out that, but then when people come in, you're, you're scrambling. And then you're and you're not operating the way the you model was set yeah. up to be operated. Mm, that's good. So you're, you're so you're you're running it thin, you know. So we we that that's that was the two things we never cut. We never cut um, our quality of food ever. Yep. To say you know what I'll buy choice ribeyes. Uh, I'm sorry I'll buy select ribeyes this week because you know there's not a lot of money in the bank and yeah. I'll figure it out next week. I'll, I'll go back to uh, to the better ones in, in the CABs in, in a week or two yeah. or get frozen this instead of that, get canned this. I mean, we never, that's the last thing we'd cut because the first thing people notice. Yeah. Um, so that and then also in um, labor, we, we try to, we gotta keep the right people in the right places. 100%. Because when the business comes back, you're ready for it. If you're managed down and all of a sudden things get busy again, again, you're scrambling, yeah. you're not winning people over, you're not giving great experiences <clears throat> table side, and then the likelihood of them coming back or, you know, there's so it's many options. Low, there's so many low. options around. And yeah. here in particular, there is, there are a hundred restaurants within a five minute drive. Mm. So it's tough. I mean, so you, you gotta figure out where you're gonna save, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna cut on, you're gonna save, renegotiate on your, uh, your paper goods, yep. your linens, your whatever, you know, your Cost insurance guy, whatever, all, whatever, yeah. whatever you can do to save to yep. not, that's not going to affect the guests. Sure. You know, sure. so then, and we, it was, it was a couple years of that. Um, thankfully we pulled out of it. We found our stride. We found, found our identity yep. as, as a restaurant and, and things turned around. But again, it was a lot of trial and error, hard work and sacrifice. I mean, yep. it, it, there's no way around it. You know, people come in and say, Oh, you guys are always busy. I'm like, man, you, as fast as it comes in, it goes out. Yeah. You, know, you know how that is. I mean, yeah. it, you, you want to grow, but growing is not cheap either. Yeah. You know, you want to grow the right way. And, and then now we're trying to implement technology and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's good growing pains, yes. um, but it's, you, can't, you can't stop. You know? So is Big View the first restaurant you guys opened? No, Elias Noche was the first one we opened. Okay. Um, that was in 03. Okay. Um, and that's right down the road. Um, so that's a more of a little fine dining? Yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's casual, but a little on the upper end of casual. Okay. Um, it, it is Greek and Italian. And okay. that was, again, what we wanted to open a place back then. The funny thing is it opened as a, it opened as a fast casual. Okay. But we were so kind of out in suburbia that the fast casual concept was a little, we're a little ahead of it. That's not what the area needed. Gotcha. So we opened as fast casual and then we changed like, you know, 
maybe we'll do table service at dinner, and then we went from doing fast cat counter service in the daytime and you know servers at night, and yeah. then you know what, let's make the whole thing servers. It's just easier. Yeah. Um. Because and then we added you know beer, wine, liquor, and then the place took off. Yeah. Um, and then you know so it's a little upper end Greek and Italian yeah. food. Um, it's been there, geez, it's been 17, 16, 17 years now. Yeah. Um, a, a monster following in town. And now it's kind of like where we got our name in the ring in Charlotte, sure. of like, hey, some good places to go eat. Yeah. Uh, these guys are doing something pretty decent. Um, you know, after that, we've opened a couple of places, another Ilios. Now we have in Kuahalo, we have the diner, and then we got into another arena that you just never in a million years expected, like corporate dining. Corporate like, dining. Like, um, Supplying um, food service for companies um, that want to incentivize their staff. Um, okay. So it's not so much just like you know. I hate to use the word cafeteria because it's not. Um, it's more on the on the scale of fine food courts in inside nice. of inside of corporate campuses. Um, so we have four of those now. Um, they're doing great. Um, it's a big market for that as well. Mm. Um, so we're, you know, it's funny because it's the three of us, and we're, and we're like, we're, we're, we're competing against people like the compasses of the world and the Aramarks that are Huge. billion dollar, billion to billion dollar companies, yeah. and we're doing the same thing they are. But the same thing, it's just kind of like the first one got offered to us, and we're like, yeah, we'd love to do it, yeah. even though we had zero idea how. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, you know, fake it till you make it. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And it's um, a good point, though. I think I think that's something good for us to think about. You know, you may not know the exact path that. But just say yes. Absolutely. Because if you say no Somehow once, figure it out. They'll, never, yeah. they'll never call you again. Exactly. They're not going to call you the next for the next one and say, you know what? You, I know you said no last time. Um, and the same, that's our philosophy <coughs> on, on catering. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're building our catering arm and it's doing really well. Um, you know, people will call and they're like, hey, man, can you do like German food? We're like, yeah, absolutely. So what do we do? I figure out how to make some German food real yeah. quick. There you but, go. you know, it's Asian, Greek, German sandwiches, whatever. You don't say no because once they get comfortable using you, in, in the catering world, you they're not going to call you every time. Which is how we met. Yeah, absolutely. You, you catered yeah. my cousin's wedding. That's right, absolutely. Right, yeah. which mm -hmm. we ended up, you know, I, I ended up getting your number. We another, ended up talking. And another doing, example of like, hey, can you do a catering, a four-course dinner for 500 people two hours away? We're yeah. like, absolutely. <laughs> and then we're like, all right, we got to figure this thing out. How are we, we going to get all this stuff up there? How are we going to prep it? I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's in, a, in a foreign kitchen. Like, how are we going to make this thing happen? And we cook two lambs <coughs> at the end of the night, you know? So it's I like, didn't know that. oh, yeah, yeah. So for the late night food. So, yeah, you, you can't say no. You can't be scared. And then the number one thing is you got to have the right people. Yeah. Um, without the right people. You got to. And here we have, a, you know, we have a great team, our whole company. I think we're up to like close to 300 employees now. Um, so, you know, some great chefs. Down to everybody. From the, from the hostess to the chef, everyone is in between, plays their role, and everyone that touches a guest. 100%. Or touches food is important. And you, I, can't, you, can't, you can't discount anyone's role. I always, I always kind of... Uh, talk to my staff about a business is like a, a Swiss watch, right? Every part counts. Oh, like you, percent, yeah. you, you cannot have one part of the watch that just, it, everything has to, it has to be a well-oiled machine yep. where for it to run smooth. And yep. so, um, well, cool. Well, let's, let's kind of wind down. What does the future look like? You know, what do you guys got going on? Do you have any new projects? Yeah, what are, so what are we, some things we do um, just recently, in a, I mean, same, same, along the same note, we recently we acquired a golf course. So we, are just again figuring that figuring that part out of it, um, kind of like wrapping our, our arms around it and like dissecting it and say, okay, how does this thing function? Okay. Um, what's the future of this sport? What can we do with it? 
Um, obviously, you know, the first thing we think of it is a great venue for uh, for events. Sure. Um, it's, and it's a new, good-looking place. So we uh, we're in the golf business now, which nice. is if you asked me five years ago, I'd, I'd laugh at that. Um, and then, in addition to that, we're, we're close to opening a fast casual okay. in, uh, in South End Charlotte, which is hopefully something we, we feel like we can kind of roll out. Okay. Um, now, you know, the diner and the Elias of the world are a little, a little more complicated to recreate just sure. for the intricate menus and a lot of staff and a lot of prep and, yep, yep. and, and bigger footprints. But this place, we're thinking, you know, where, where the food business is going. Um, it's, it's more a, scalable. It, absolutely more scalable. Um, you know, it's it's a, a new market um, of diners coming into the food world now, right? These I hate to use the word millennials, but it is the, the younger crowd, which you know they they want it quick. They don't so much care for the experience with a, with a tableside service and all that, but they want quality food prepared well at a you know at a price where you know price is probably the last thing they worry about. Mm, that's um, a good point. And you don't want to take advantage of that, but it's like they want. To know where the food's coming from, how it's made, yep. and make sure it tastes great. 100%. And then, if it costs eight or ten or fifteen or twenty dollars, whatever, sure. I just want you know good healthy food. Sure. Um, so you know that's that's our newest concept, Elias Crafted Greek, that nice. we're working on now. So you know um, we um, you know we're excited about it. It's, it's a lot going on, and the hardest part now is just kind of like carving your time up to like where to prioritize and again bring the right people into. All right, I'm going to be here. At, 15, 20 hours a week less now. How do I fill that void? Yeah. Because you can't let you can't let any project suffer because there's that's like one shiny new toy. You know? There's always one sick kid, right? Yeah. Um, one store that's not performing the way it should, or some management that's you know that needs to be kind of supported a little bit and, yeah. and kind of fix any kind of challenge they have. Sure. Uh, so, in addition to that, we're not gonna we're not the type to take our foot off the gas. Um, we're gonna keep pushing. You know, within um, measure, within measure, and, and, and within reasonable, um, with, with just making reasonable decisions, sure. like how much we can bite off. Actually, do yeah, yeah, not biting off too much. Um, but at this point, we have a really strong team. We had some great pieces in the last uh, six, eight months as far as uh, upper management uh, chefs. We have a great catering director. So you know, we we're going to keep pushing. Um, I think twenty twenty is going to be a, a great year as a whole for. The industry, yeah, um, I agree. You know, and then there's going to be a correction, right? It's going to come, whether it's later this year, next year, and if we feel like we're doing the right thing across the board, all of our, uh, all of our stores, you know, we will be okay. Um, all that does is weed out the ones that shouldn't have been in business to begin sure. with, right? So if you're doing the right thing and and, and are uh, making good business decisions and taking care of people, I've never heard of a restaurant close that had good food, was reasonably priced, and had great service. 100%. They don't close, 100%. right? They close when they overspend or they serve bad food or this, you know, the, the <coughs> management's not on top of it. Um, so, you know, that's that's our, our mindset moving forward, just kind of trying to stay as humble as we can and, yep. and just keep pushing. Again, you know, the biggest decision was for us, I think one of our biggest decisions was when we had one Elias, we were like, do we open a second restaurant? Because once you open that, once you open that second one, is like you got to test the waters of like, all right, well, I'm not going to be there. I'm, I'm always there on Tuesday nights, and now I got to be at the other one. Yeah. How are we going to figure this out? Yeah. But once you build that, you're forced to train people to to do things the right way, mm. um, and that was a hard decision. Once you open the second one, the third one was easy because hey, listen, we got people in place. We can go work on the third one and still and still manage this number one, number two. It's good. Um, 
you know, and not not to knock people that have one store because I think that's just as hard as well. Yeah. Um, and I, and sometimes, man, there's sometimes I wish, God, I wish I had a hot dog stand. Yeah. And that's it, you know, because <laughs> there's just unbelievable amounts of stress sometimes of whether it's yeah. um, with staff or things going wrong or things, you know, equipment breaking or, or just stress that comes about. Sure. And you're like, I wish, I wish I had one store because, you know, you see that and you're like, man, I, just, I get to focus on four walls, yeah. one, one set of staff, and you can control everything. Well, you know, and, and it's all what goals you have. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, some people would like to have just one well-run store. Other people would like to have kind of diversify and have yeah. three, four, five, mm-hmm. six of them. So yeah. um, I guess wrapping up, any any thoughts, any suggestions, any tips to anybody out there maybe that's, you know, 16, 18, 20, 25, 30 years old, even even older, that would love to own a business one day. Yeah. Maybe, you know, what, I, I, what, are, what are some thoughts? Yeah, for I'd say the number one thing, and I tell kids here all the time that parents come in and bring their kids and say, hey, my kid wants to go to culinary school. And I say, that's awesome. It's a great field. I said, just, you know, do everything you can before you make that jump to spend fifty, dollars $100,000 for culinary school. I said, come and spend a week here and see what it is. Or at Elios or go to an, another nice place in Charlotte, you know sure. the chef, and just spend a week to see what it entails because... Taste it first. Yeah, you got to. You, you know, if it's, you want to be in the... You want to go into medical sales? Well, find somebody that does it and, and ride, ride it around with, for a week for them and figure out what it takes. How, how, how are you going to become better than them? How are they becoming better than the next person? Sure. And just really like uh, dive in and learn as much as you can before you make the jump. Because once you make the jump, you're on the dance floor. Yeah. Once you're on the dance floor, there's no getting off yeah. unless there's, you, know, you fall off. So you have to, you, you want to stay in it, but you have to educate yourself um, and surround yourself with the best, you know, if someone wanted to get in your business, I'd yeah. say, hey man, go right on with Nick. I said, not that you're gonna compete with them, but just figure out. Scope it out. Scope it out and like yeah. how much money do I gotta put in? How much time? When do I start making money? How yeah. do I, how do you get accounts? Yeah. How do you, Everything. you know, what, what makes Albemarle Paper better than the other guys? We could use a hundred different paper companies, right? Yep. Uh, and you know that. Yep. Um, we stick with you guys because you guys, do, you do what you say. Um, the product is, the product is a product, right? A box is a box. Sure. I can buy from anybody. Sure. But um, I know that that box is going to come on time, yep. intact, yep. Uh, the way you wanted it, for the, what you told me it's going to be. So, you know, that it's all it's all relationships, too, sure. You know, so service relationships, absolutely. So. Well, cool. Well, guys, appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. You know, absolutely enjoy the conversation. You know, come check out Frank and Angelo. Obviously, you can check them out here at Big View Diner and Valentine. We also have the Ilios Noches locations. We got two locations, and then obviously coming soon, Ilios Crafted Greek yep. in South End. They should be open here in a couple of weeks, um, and so come check them out, support them. Uh, these guys are absolutely phenomenal entrepreneurs, and so um, you guys uh, have an awesome, awesome day. And we'll check you out in the next episode.